This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Christy Sutton from This Hard Calling. Christy is a biological foster and adoptive mom. She is a blogger also, one of my very favorite bloggers, I must add. She really just shares such beautiful words about the struggle of motherhood and foster care and adoption. I think we might be soulmates, but this is our first time actually talking ever. So hi, Christy. How are you? Hey, I'm great now that my house is quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I literally ran into my bedroom. I was like... See you, babe. I'm talking. (laughs) Yes. Goodbye. Exactly. All right. So I know that you have a whole brood of children, but I really don't even know much about your children or your family. So tell me about your kids. Yeah, sure. I know. And can you believe this is the first time that we're talking? I know. I feel like we know each other. Well, exactly. And can you believe how connected you feel with people on the internet? (laughs) <laughs> Which I love. I love. Right. It's kind of creepy, but really great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my, uh, yeah, my family is just a mixture of mostly chaos. Um, okay. My kids, my kids currently in my home are 11, 10, 7, 4, 3, 2, and 5 months. Oh my. Wait. And How many is that then? It's basically every number under 11. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's seven, seven kids total. So four, four that I birthed, one that we just adopted, and two foster babes right now. Okay. Wow. So what is your state limit in Florida? So we, well, it's, this is great question. Uh, it used to be hard and fast five. Okay. And um, now there's a little more wiggle room. If you are already licensed, they can increase your capacity to six, uh, you know, under 18, including your biological kids. And so we're technically overcapped right now at seven, okay. but it's a sibling group. So, you know, there's, there's all sorts of uh, little places to, to wiggle. Yeah. Okay. So are the oldest for your biological? They are. Yeah. And the siblings are the two foster babes. Yep, that's it. Okay. All right. So how long have you been a foster parent? Uh, we started the foster care journey in 2012. So we this summer will make six years for us actually licensed. But, you know, the, the process starts before you actually get that license in hand. And so uh, we started the journey in 2000. Goodness, it feels like a decade ago, 2000. 10 um, is when we really started pursuing foster care. Um, Wait, does started, that mean that it took you two years to get licensed? It's true. Yeah. Oh we, um, we had two biological children at the time. We had just returned from a trip to Haiti where God really used a lot of circumstances to speak to my husband's heart and soften his heart um, really towards, towards adoption in general. And um, that we, we started the foster care classes and started the licensing process and found out we were pregnant with our third baby. And um, so we put things on hold. We kept going through the classes, but we had to, we had to put it on hold because we lived in a two bedroom townhouse mm-hmm. that um, was about a thousand square feet. And so 
how are we going to fit any more children in that place? Um, three kids in one room was tight enough. We did spend one night in our living room on a futon because we thought we could live in our living room and have two bedrooms <laughs> upstairs for kids. Um, and after about three hours on the futon, my husband looked at me and he's like, this is not going to work. <laughs> so we will do anything for these children, but that's not, right. yeah, not we didn't the know. We didn't know. So that, that, that paused the button until God really yeah. That makes sense. Okay. All right. And so how many kids have you had in that time period? Um, so in the last five and a half years, we've had, really, I, I lost count. It's, it's over 35. Um, so somewhere between 35 and 40 children have come in and out of our home. That is quite a count. Yeah. I used to really years. know the number. <laughs> but wow. and, and only one of those... Yes. Only one was adopted. Right. So a lot of our children have gone to different family members. A few have reunified, um, or maybe they've gone to a different foster home that was more appropriate or could give better care, um, you know, depending on ages. So yeah, that's a, some were respite. So some were there for a couple of days. Um, you know, the drill, it's, you just kind of never know what you're going to get when the phone call comes in. (laughs) Okay. And, and the initial intent of getting involved in foster care was adoption, right? It was, it was. So I grew up actually, my dad was in the army and I grew up traveling, um, a lot, grew up in Southeast Asia. When I was about 10, we moved to Singapore and really there traveling to different countries. God really, really started to build this desire for, um, the fatherless and I knew somewhere in my life there would be adoption. That would be part of my story. Um, I was the baby of two. My husband is the oldest of six from a blended family. And he was like, he was a heck no. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is not our journey. Um, he wasn't like, he was not on board with adoption. Um, and so, yeah, that was really our initial desire once God moved us into a place of unity was that we wanted to adopt, but we knew we wanted to do it domestically. So we went through foster care. Okay. So you mentioned your husband. You just posted a picture of your husband that I oh, actually showed to my husband because I felt like I was looking at him. So our last baby had reflux, seriously. Uh, it's the worst. And he, he had this one sweatshirt. This, he's a huge Eagles fan. Right. I did see that. I remember this. <laughs> huge Eagles fan. He had this one sweatshirt that he wouldn't even hold the baby if no. he was wearing a sweatshirt. No. <laughs> he's like, it's expensive and it's important. I'm not... That's hilarious. So it was funny, but I loved just your words about your husband. Mm-hmm. I love, um, you know, a lot of the chatter is between mm-hmm. foster moms and yeah. we do carry a lot of the burden of it. And Absolutely. But tell me about how you keep your marriage a priority about mm-hmm. what you, um, how you walk through things, just basically marriage plus foster care. What does that look like? Yeah. You know, early on we... Well, one thing, one thing that really helped us lay a foundation was I, I read the book Kisses uh, from Katie, mm, and so that fun. was really essential. I didn't realize how much of her truths and her experience would really um, help me to 
get a grasp of where God was leading us in foster care. But um, early on, we we knew we had to be unified, and mm. so we made we made two um, two rules, if you will, that we follow to this day, and that is we we must be at peace before we make decisions, and we must be unified. And we, we have to have peace and we have to have unity before we move forward. And really that, that is a great rule, not just in foster care, but in marriage in general, Yeah, great um, point. raising kids is hard and there are lots of books, but there's one experience and it's all yours and it's all unique. And there are so many dynamics and so many personalities of children and you don't know how you're going to respond until the situation is present. And so um, just being able to stop and pray about our next steps and not feeling rushed to um, step into a decision and not feeling the pressure of the people um, of the agencies or of, you know, other families or other people's opinions is so, so important in our family's story. And um, so, yeah, we don't move forward in a decision, whether it's small or huge, um, unless we are unified and at peace. Okay. So I wanted to talk about this with you because this is something that we struggle with. This is a dynamic in our household that probably just to be totally raw is one of the hardest dynamics we have. We have yeah. such a great, strong marriage. Mm -hmm. And yet we have this constant foster care is, is a constant push and pull for us. Yes. Um, and part of that I see is like embracing how God made us. God made me the pusher and him the yeah. pusher. And right. that if I lived life with another pusher, like, okay, we would be homeless because we would, Babe, totally. way. we would have 30 children in our homeless home and it would, <laughs> there would be no balance. Now, if he was with another puller, they'd probably watch a lot of Eagles games and, right. <laughs> and hang out exactly. in their fancy sweatshirts. <laughs> right. So I, on, on one hand, I totally see the beauty of how God brings two mm. people together with different strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And then that push and pull is, is God sanctifying our strengths and weaknesses. Absolutely. But I have to be honest, we never move forward without unity, 100%. Mm. But mm -hmm. the peace thing, I feel like often I'm, I'm saying to him, this isn't about our comfort. You know, I know you don't feel comfortable right now, but we shouldn't prioritize that. So tell me how you, I don't know which of you is the pusher and puller. Ooh, good. Yeah. Uh, are you the pusher or the puller? Yeah. Well, I'm definitely the pusher. Okay. Um, All right. So tell me how you as the pusher love your husband well, prioritize mm -hmm. your family, but still push for your family to keep this priority of compassion and sacrifice. So good. Yeah, man. I am like playing all of these events over the last 13 years of our marriage in my head right now. So I'm like, which one do I pick from? Yeah. Well, say them um, all because I need it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> um, so let me just say we have, we have marriage counseling this Thursday um, <laughs> <laughs> coming up. Um, and, and that has actually been one mm. thing for, for our marriage, you know, seeking godly counsel, having other people who may not have walked the foster care road, but are mm. walking ministry, hardcore ministry, because, you know, I think as a couple, it's, 
it's difficult, especially within the walls of the church, which is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> right. It's interesting because it's like when you, you're in a vulnerable position as a foster parent, as a, as a parent to biological kids. And you know, there can be a lot of criticism and that weighs on your marriage. It starts to make you feel insecure. And so it becomes, you know, you and your spouse and it's easy to pick at each other. Um, and so finding a couple or, you know, praying that God would put into your life, somebody that is in ministry, maybe not in foster care, but in some type of ministry that is not going to tell you, wow, you're doing something hard. Why don't you just back away? Or why don't you walk away? Or why don't you say no to that kid? Or when that call comes at two o'clock in the morning, why don't you just tell them no? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had all of these things said to our family before. And, and, and having somebody that, um, that can speak into your life that is going to tell you truths um, and, and tell you to press into Jesus and and love each other is, is valuable. So that's one, one part of it. Seek, seeking counsel and also, uh, seeking a counselor, a marriage yeah. counselor, a, a family therapist, who's going to help you with their expertise. That's huge. Um, but you know, you said something about loving your husband well, and, um, another great book is love and respect by Emerson Egrets And it's just, that we read early on, we went through a love and respect class. And so we use so many of those tools, getting on the crazy cycle, getting off the crazy cycle, um, understanding like just tonight, actually, we had a caseworker visit and stirred up some fears within some of our cases. And, um, I responded in my personality and as a wife in this, like I'm, I go into control mode, like I'm controlling all the things I'm like, yelling at the kids, pick up this, clean up that. Why are we all yelling? You know, (laughs) (laughs) searching for the peace. And, um, it's so important to learn to communicate. I had to look at Zach and say, like, I need you. Like I need you to do a B C. And so it's respecting our husbands in their place of authority and, and not authority in this horrible way, but the authority of like this provisional way of, I trust that God has given me my husband and I am, I'm trusting that God speaks to my husband in ways that I I may not hear, or I'm not created to hear at least not, um, naturally or the way God created me. And so I trust that he created my husband in a different way. And I respect that place um, of provision over our family, just like this covering, um, and I, I find peace in that. Um, not to say I haven't struggled through over the last few years of just having to yield my own will and my own gas pedal to, um, even the, just the place that my husband's in. It may not, it, today he's much more on the gas than he was five years ago. And, and I think learning to be patient and loving your husband and respecting where he's coming from, um, even if it's not the same place you are, it just allows you to grow together. And man, what an incredible ministry you can weave when you're both willing to yield to one another. That's great. Yeah. I, I've also seen not talking from an ex, I mean, I know you're not talking from an expert point of view either on this, but one thing that's huge for me is just being grateful Mm. for when you said the thing about where he is five years later, Mm. that's huge for me is seeing 
okay, naturally he would be a sit and watch the Eagles person, but look how, where God has brought him. And so when I'm like, why can't we take this special needs sibling group? That's going to take 24 hour nursing care. And, and I look at him and think like, do you have no soul? How could you? (laughs) And then when I see the, the children Mm -hmm. in our home, when I see that our plan was two biological children, that was all we were ever supposed to have and how much he sacrificed and continues mm-hmm. to sacrifice yeah. how really miraculous it was that God yes. worked in his heart and built this compassion mm-hmm. in that wasn't there. And so that's been big for me too. Now I have to stop and remind myself to be grateful mm-hmm. um, or he reminds me sometimes to be grateful. Right. Like, are you forgetting that we have four children in our home right now? Yeah. Oh, it's right. yeah. so true. And you know what? You um you said something. Um, now I'm like, where well, where was I going with this? Um, just about your, seeing your husband. And I think it's important for women to remember that you know most of the time. Now this isn't always, but I'm just speaking in generalities. Most of the time, women, um, especially in foster care, it's like we are the nurturers, we're the comforters, we're the mamas. We are like, bring me the babies or bring right. me the hurting teenager. And right. for men, that is not, that's not the perspective because that's not how God made men, right? God didn't make the men the like, let me nuzzle you at my bosom. Um, this, <laughs> they're like, now this is cool though, but men are like the protector. And so for men to look at a ch- another man's baby mm-hmm. and hold that baby in the middle of the night or, you know, help to protect that child, there is a different, I think when you can look at your husband and say, he's the protector, he's the advocate, he's, he is like our shield, he's our covering. And that's how he sees himself most often, I think, too, in the foster care journey is he's not going to be always the baby nuzzler or the holder, and that's okay. And I think sometimes that's discouraging for women um, who, who want to be the baby holders. Makes sense. Christy, that was so good, especially in the culture we live in and how my heart can be tempted to believe men and women are the same. We're all, you know, that equality means sameness, but well, God is bigger than that. He's better than that. He doesn't just make everyone the same. So I love that because I, we joke that my husband didn't really care about our biological babies until until they were out of that. And so (laughs) It, it did take me a little while to get to that point. Like, okay, you love this child in the fact that yes. you to sacrifice for them, but you're not the snuggler, you know, nuzzle in your bosom as you said. <laughs> um, so I think that was very well said. That was great. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash realmompodcast. There you'll find links to all the resources we talk about, any books or fun things we discuss, recipes. That will be the best place for you to get the full Real Mom Podcast experience. So you talked about um, counseling within your marriage. What about for your children? What resources yeah. do you use for them? Man, so similarly, um, a licensed therapist, specifically somebody who is trained in TBRI, which is trust-based relational intervention. 
Um, that's from the Karen Purvis Institute. If people have read The Connected Child, they're going to be familiar with that. Um, it's easy to find one, maybe not super accessible, but you can find one on the website. Um, if you go to yeah, I'll to post that website on the landing page. Great. I'm also going yes. to post links. I know here I'm hosting the Empowered to Connect. Yeah, we are too. Are you? Yeah. Okay, great. We yeah, are. So for anyone who's interested in what uh, Christy is talking about, you can find, first of all, the Connected Child, Empowered to Connect, the simulcast. So I'm going to post all of that on the landing page. Yeah, so that's super essential. And I think a, a side note, someone gave us that book before we started foster care. I really like, we yeah, were like too. in the licensing. And I was like, this is not helpful at all is what I was actually thinking. Um, now I'm like digging, 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 you know, I'm like up late at night, drinking a glass of wine, um, watching Karen Purvis on YouTube. So that's, <laughs> that's what I do when I'm in a really bad place. Um, but now it makes sense. So I'm just saying, if you have that book and you're not, you don't have a child in your home yet, it's, it's understandable that it may not actually be applicable. Um, but going back to my kids, plugging our kids into um, a TBRI therapist in our town in Gainesville, Florida, we have an incredible woman who is just so full of experience and knowledge. Um, and she's like our trusted adult for our kids. And so, you know, people are always concerned about how are your biological children affected by the coming and the going and the heartache and shouldn't you protect them? And we hear this from our own family. Um, our own parents have told us, you know, just keep your kids in the back of your mind. Um, and it's like their heart is in the right place, but it's like, mm -hmm. oh, our kids are right here. They're in the front. You know, we, we, we are fully aware that we have seven children in our home. Right. <laughs> um, and so no one needs to remind us of these things, but having a trusted adult for our kids to process through. Um, these are big emotions. These are heavy things. Like, you know, when not everybody at school is going to be able to say, Oh, like we have, um, a crack addicted baby of a local prostitute in our home. I mean, that's, that's, that's the real deal. That's what our kids are dealing with. Um, maybe not, they're not always thinking about the crack addiction and the prostitution and the drug busting and all of this, but, they are holding those babies and their hearts are connecting. Um, they are saying goodbye. Their hearts are breaking. They're figuring out the tools that they need to process and feel and not move on, but, um, but grow and become stable adults who have gone through things, but who had trusted adults to walk through that. And so I think plugging your kids into therapy, um, your biological kids, every kid in your home, really. Um, we should all just be in therapy. I mean, <laughs> just really, that's that's the gist. <laughs> so yeah, so I think that's that's one of the things that's helped our kids go. And you know, when we started foster care five and a half years ago, um, we were one of the we were the only foster family we knew. We knew one other family, and they didn't have biological children, and they had a couple of young foster babies, and. Um, now we have seen several of our friends come along this journey. I mean, we've influenced a little bit, but mostly the Holy Spirit <laughs> um, has really grown people in our city to say yes to foster care. And in doing so, our kids have a community of people. They have other kids who like, this is normal. That may not be where most people are. You may be the only person in your city who 
um, is walking this hard place of foster care and adoption. But I just encourage people to start praying that God would grow their city to love the least and to step into the hard places and that in doing so you create a community and you can create it for your kids. They can have friends whose family fosters and that's normal. It's not weird. It's, it's just their little community. And so I love that our kids have that. We actually have the same experience. We, when I became a foster parent, I really didn't know anyone else. Right. Um, there was Scary. one, yeah. Um, and to see now, you, like you were saying, my daughter's best friend mm-hmm. is walking through a potential child going home and mm-hmm. dealing with um, an older sibling. And, and the two of them are talking the way we as their moms are talking, yes. sharing their hearts, talking about struggles. I hear mm-hmm. my nine-year-old talking to her friend about, well, how would God want you to love her when it's hard? And I'm just like, yes, and you're like sobbing in the exactly, room. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. That's, that's the good stuff. And I think about our kids in 10 or 15 years and like this, this breaks my heart in a great way. I just think like, yes, our kids are going to get it. Our kids are going to get the gospel. They're going to get loving. They're going to get saying goodbye and having to, having to figure out how to create their own little safe space. I mean, there's, we could do a whole podcast on how do you, how do your biological kids, yeah. you know, uh, get through the hard things. Um, but my, my oldest daughter, she's 11. She actually just made this slideshow on her own the other night about foster care. She's like, Hey, can I borrow your computer to make a slideshow? I'm like, sure. And I was sobbing (laughs) looking at all these clips of like, she knows how the system works. She knows what a CPI is and a, you know, and a CLS attorney and she knows, but, but she created this slide and it, this is the best part. It's actually a slide, um, talking about a ministry in town that helps rescue women out of human trafficking. And she knows about it because one of our moms was in this ministry last year and she created this slide and she's like, this ministry helps moms learn how to have a healthy lifestyle and it helps moms to, to be whole again. And it's like, yes, my 11 year old said that, you know? And so what a gift, what a gift we get to give our kids in foster care. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been so full of faith for my kids for this journey for so long. Um, and someone just brought up to me recently, have you considered, you talk about the trauma of the kids who are leaving. Have you considered the trauma on your children that every, Mm -hmm. every child who leaves that's trauma for them? And so I love to hear you talking about having your kids in therapy, mm-hmm. taking that seriously, yeah. really acknowledging the trauma, but yes. on the same hand, celebrating that they're learning sacrifice and all that. I absolutely. absolutely love that. And let me add right there on, you know, your biological children and trauma. You know, these kids who come into our home, who are coming from hard places, as we call it, Um, are experiencing, they have experienced trauma, a trauma that we don't even know about. But for our own kids, yes, they're saying hello and goodbye and there's change and there's up and there's down and there's sharing and there's, you know, figuring all that out. 
but our kids, our biological kids, they come from a place that's very different. You know, they come from a place that is secure. We say to our kids, even tonight, actually, my husband and I had a disagreement. Remember the whole, like, I'm afraid I need my husband to step in (laughs) um, dispute. My kids are that. And it's very rare that my husband and I raise our voices, but I was feeling a lot of stress. And my son, who's 10, was like, you're arguing. And when you argue, people get divorced. I mean, he went down this whole like rabbit trail, right? And so we said to him, which we actually say often, we verbally say to our kids, mom and dad love each other. We are never leaving each other. Like you are safe. And so to, to give that gift to your kids, they can take that, they can take the goodbye. They can take that trauma per se, because they come from a place where they have two parents, most often, um, who and love And even them. if not two parents, just that uh, nurturing yeah, faith. I was going to say, I do know lots of single moms right. who are foster parents and who have adopted. I know some single dads in town who are foster dads mm-hmm. and they're rocking it, but they are safe and stable. And so what our kids get is safety and, and they can take that. They can take the hard things because they are secure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's such a great point of view from like just a psychological, they have secure attachments and then also just the spiritual, like we trust God for them. We trust that God called our family into this and that he's going to carry them through it also. Yeah. All right. Let's get away from the heavy. I want to know, (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're reading, what you're watching and what you're listening to. So we're going to start- doing? What are you doing? What do I, what am I doing? Well, right now I'm basically trying to keep my house from falling apart. Okay. Um, and with, with all my children, but, um, I, you know, I, I still try to see my friends for really chaotic play dates. Um, I go to the gym, not to work out, but to sit in the hot tub. Are you, oh, I told you we were soulmates. Babe, we should, if you were not so far away, we could totally have a hot tub date. (laughs) I I mean, I've never been a member of a gym ever, but if I were, it would be to sit in the hot tub. This is it. This is why I'm a part of the gym. My husband sometimes makes fun, but he knows better. It's called mental health and they have free childcare. Oh my. Two hours a day. And it's a great, so this is what I do basically drink a lot of coffee. That's what I'm eating is coffee. Okay. <laughs> um, and a lot of Girl Scout cookies. Um, a lot of those. I think Okay. I- hold on. Tell me how you drink your coffee. Um, okay. So I used to be a total French vanilla creamer girl and I got away from that last year because it was just too much sugar every day. And so I drink my coffee, not black. Do you drink black? I drink black. See, I knew you were going to say that. Strong then you black. Would really, but I, but I don't <laughs> just, I try, I try. My husband is a coffee snob. Um, he likes the pour over and the, you know, the French press, which I've I like been called that. that before. Let's just okay, say, well, <laughs> well, we can still be friends. You can okay. drink this black. I'm going to drink mine with a little cream and sugar in it because I can't do it black, but I could drink coffee all day. So, okay. All right. So drink coffee. What's your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Um, the peanut butter one, not okay. the peanut butter. What's it called? I don't even know, but somebody it, bought it, me. Isn't it like peanut butter delights? Isn't that no. what Oh, you know, I don't know. I ate a okay, whole well. box of the lemonade ones last week 
and while we watched the movie Wonder. So I was sobbing and choking <laughs> on Girl Scout cookies. And, and then I put an SOS out on Facebook, like, someone please bring more Girl Scout cookies. And a friend, this is a good friend, okay? She met me for coffee at a local coffee shop, and she brought me five boxes. Five. That is like love, tangible, I can hand you this love. Okay, so exactly, and this is it. So if you're listening, you're not a foster parent, someone (laughs) says what they need, give them what they need. They need five Girl Scout cookies, five boxes of Girl Scout cookies. That is a legit need. That that's not just a desire. <laughs> Ways to change the world. Exactly. Yeah, for Girl foster Scout families. Cookies. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So you told us some books before. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Kisses from Katie. I'm gonna look at that other marriage book. Tell mm. me what you're reading now. I'm reading a book called Hope Heals. Uh wait, let me get it off my nightstand. Are you trying to remember <laughs> who it is? Yes. Okay. Are you reading? You know? a, no. Are you oh. reading a nonfiction and a fiction? Babe. Okay. Here's the deal. I don't like fiction. <laughs> okay. I have read one fiction book <laughs> and you know what it was? It was Jodi Picoult's Small oh, Great Things. Oh, real. I thought you were going to say Redeeming Love because every what? Christian woman who has said oh. I don't read books says they've I've only read, read that one. Love. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe I should read it and I would be a better it. Christian mom. Okay, I'll no, get on it that. it doesn't make you a better person. <laughs> it's just the fiction that Christian women who don't read fiction read. Okay, well, I can't get, okay, so here's the thing about me. I'm really great at starting things and I suck mm, at finishing. I Can feel I say you. suck? I'm sorry. But here's the thing. The Hope Heals, this is, okay, oh, it's Catherine and Jay Wolf. This is a, re- a great story. It's a real story. I love real stories. This is why I can't do fiction. Um, but this is an awesome book. Put this on your list. Hope so is it feels. like a memoir? Yeah. So she, um, they were a young couple. She actually had a stroke and they had a six month old baby. And Holy it's moly. just their story of their like overcoming this incredible challenge. But you will, I think you'll love it. I heard cool. her speak um, last summer and I was like, I need the book. And it's awesome. I'm also reading Chase the Lion, but I've been reading this for about like a year and a half um, by Mark Batterson. So okay. You know, I like to start a lot of things. <laughs> a year and hard. a half. That is pretty intense. That does not look like a year and a half kind of book. It's not. It's not. It's just, you know, this life. It's fine. Okay. All right. What are you watching? This is us. Isn't everybody? Yeah. It's well, like and I, I already referenced this once on the podcast, which is why I didn't want to do it again, but <laughs> But I'm going to do it again. Do it again. When we were talking about our kids and your daughter making the slideshow, and like, I cried that show every episode. But that moment, spoiler, just in case, Mm -hmm. that moment when he, when Randall walks in and his daughter is a social worker, I was, I was. Were you sobbing? Like out loud. Like snot dripping. Horrible. Very loud. Very, very loud. (laughs) That was the worst part. The worst, best part. I was like, like, that's what you want for our children, don't you? And I was like, a hundred percent. Yes. You know, they're only going to last a year in social work because that's like the average death. So it's fine, (laughs) but just do it hardcore, like go for it, babe, and then be done. But okay. Well, I feel like every single person that I have on the podcast either can or will say this is us. So is there something else you can give me to? Oh my gosh, that I'm watching. Well, yeah. I love, so I, I don't really watch TV because 
because life. I can't say, right. So I love Good Morning America if I can catch it for a few seconds. <laughs> That's not really what people are I'm watching. Sorry. I'm not trying to make fun of you, but I just couldn't help laughing. <laughs> But uh, that, or um, that's occasional, Um, or you know what I think I like Good Morning America because I'm like, oh, this is what I, this is my life I used to live was like with two small children and they were like still sleeping and I could sip coffee and watch that. Now you can pretend for thirty seconds. Yeah, I do, and then it's like it's over. Yeah, but but I also love Call the Midwife. Okay, I I gave up on that one. Well, you know what? It's okay. It's fine. We can still be friends. But I, that was my desire growing up was to be a midwife. Mm. Right. And then I went to nursing school and ended up in the trauma bay as an ER trauma nurse. And so there's still this part of me that feels like I got robbed. So I just, I love that show. I'm living vicariously through yeah. them. Okay. So Good Morning America and Call the Midwife are both this like strange living vicariously thing. It's so true. There's a problem. I'm going to see my therapist this week and we're going to talk about my real life. Okay. All right. Last one. What are you listening to? Oh man. Like song or in general? Okay. A song I have on repeat Either. right now is uh, Fear is a Liar. Mm-hmm. Who sings that? I don't um, know. It's real new. It, I just heard it for the first time last week, and I won't right. sing it I'll for look you. It up. I yeah, won't please, sing it for you. I'll look it up. Do not sing it. Don't Everybody worry. Everybody will end the podcast okay. if I sing. So fear. Right, I'll look it up. I'll somebody. share it. Yeah, do it. Okay, <laughs> that's it. I just listened to the same song all day. <laughs> <laughs> my family, I know that Oceans has been a song for like 18 years, but They're, my family will still, watch it and they'll be like, why do you listen to this song on repeat? I'm like, oh my gosh. They're like, Oceans is looping. You're allowed to sing Oceans if you're actually willing to walk out into the deep places. This is what there I There you said. go. See, because it's our song. That's yeah, it is, babe, because you're drowning. It's fine. When God calls you into the dark places and you're drowning, you can sing Oceans. <laughs> there we go. See, now I feel much better. I'm going to use that next time my husband wants. Totally. You're like, I'm in the ocean, babe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This has been great. We hit our time limit. I have to oh, cut us babe. off. So okay. you tell me, tell our readers, I mean, our listeners, my bad. I'm used to all the people. <laughs> yeah. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Yeah. So I um, have a little space on Facebook. It's called This Hard Calling. You're just going to find us there. You can find us on Instagram at This Hard Calling and, um, or thishardcalling.com. You're going to find some stories there. But mostly my heart is poured into the little safe space on the internet on Facebook with our community of people. Um, who are just drowning too, um, and just sharing stories. Yeah, you are, are, and I'm not just saying this. I think I could say you're my favorite. You're one of my very favorite voices. I love, you're very real and raw, um, but you just drip with love for the children, love Mm. for Jesus. Um, Thank you. And you're a beautiful writer. And so I love that. So you need to look up Christy. Christy, thanks so much for talking Thank with you. me. Thank you. Loved was a it. Great conversation. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can follow us online, www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash realmompodcast or on Instagram at at realmompodcast. Thanks for listening.